Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 29, Our Lady of Guadalupe with Catherine Addington. That was a good pronunciation, Amanda. Uh, it's, it's, the, it's the U.S. way to pronounce that Mexican word. Uh, but guys, we're going to learn so much history. Oh my God, I love this episode. And you're going to hear someone pronounce things so much better than us. Yeah, Catherine like actually speaks Spanish. Yeah. So uh, that's good. Also, we recorded this almost a year ago. Was so, it a year ago? No, it was like it was like, it was eight like months, last... Seven, eight months. Last, last summer. Last August? Last summer. Last August. Uh, so Catherine, thank you so much for your patience and for being a wonderful spirited and spirit supporter, but we may be a little bit looser and more goosier than yeah. you're used to. Certainly goosier. So Jules, what were we drinking? Catherine brought some booze. She did. Brought some nice ass mezcal. Yeah. So and really I was, good. I think it's my first time drinking it. It was a taste that I did not anticipate, but I really liked it. Smoky tequila all the way. Yeah. It was, it wasn't just like an alcohol burn. It was an alcohol burn with flavor. Like a good cigar. Cal. I haven't it's had like, that, but I trust you. Okay. Thank you guys so much for taking our survey too. You guys showed up, filled it out. We hit our goal in like two weeks like thank you so much more is always better so you can check it out at spiritspodcast.com slash survey it'll take like three four minutes uh we super appreciate it we also really really appreciate the new patrons that we've gotten over the last two weeks thank you to helen rose adrian jason amy and daniella also a lot of you on twitter have been asking us oh i've gotten through the spirits catalog what else should I listen to? Uh, we're always happy to give you guys some recommendations, but Amanda has added a really cool part of our website called Collaborations. So basically any other podcast you can listen to us on. We had some Potterless stuff. We had some Loose Cannon stuff. Sort of guest episode with Flash Forward. Yes. Um, by patron Rose Evelyn. And so we, yeah, we're listing kind of all the other places you can hear our voices uh, in other shows. So that is there for you to check out. We also just want to make sure we thank, as always, our supporting producer-level patrons, Leanne Davis, Shannon Alford, Phil Fresh, and Catherine Huntington. Our patron saints of boozy delights nice oh such a good that's a good one there. i think that's about it yeah all right well folks enjoy spirits podcast episode 29 our lady of guadalupe with katherine addington We are so pleased today to be joined by one of our very first listeners and most loyal supporters, Catherine Addington. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Thank what you. are you going to tell us about? You have so many interests. I do. You're enthusiastic I do. about so many things, which I love. Yes. I. What, what, my favorite thing, though, is Latin America, and yes. especially conquest narratives. Yes. Because you got, you got European, especially Catholic, um, kind of legend traditions mixing yep. with native mythology so amazing the, two best. I, the best of both worlds exactly and uh you know also the worst of both worlds sometimes yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the worst of one world ruining the best of another world but okay right. we'll continue but, like, but yeah so so my favorite one uh is what i'm gonna tell you today it's not just important like to catholics um but to like mexicans more generally mm -hmm. it's like a huge part of mexican culture you know like the mexican revolution was like started and led by priests who carried a standard with our lady of guadalupe's image on it um, like a banner banner, a banner exactly image, yeah. so because of that I'm like, this is clearly where I need to start. Amazing. Uh, yeah, so this story takes place in the 1530s. Uh, so this is in Mexico City, but um, it had most recently been called Tenochtitlan, which is the Aztec capital. I was say, sounds Aztec. Yeah, it was the Aztec <laughs> Empire's capital, uh, but it had been conquered by the Spanish like 10 years ago at this point. Mm -hmm. And my, I mostly emphasize that because like this is not an Aztec story and that like that was a... It was an empire that had fallen. Mm -hmm. This is very much like 
a Mexican story in the sense that it literally belongs to like the Mexica, which is the native group that um, is from the Valley of Mexico, like where that is. Amazing. Right. So it's mostly important to me because there's this huge stereotype that like Spanish missionaries get credit for any like Catholic story that natives took on because it was right. like there was lots of missionary propaganda, which is like true. All right. But most of the stuff like in the story of Our Lady of Guadalupe is stuff that you wouldn't get unless you were indigenous at that point. So to introduce you to the main character of this story, his name was Juan Diego Cuadratosin, uh, which is his baptismal name and his native name. Um, mm. And he's Chichimeca, which is basically like the equivalent of what barbarian was in like Roman times. It's oh, kind of right, a generic right. word for like nomadic people. So like he was an outsider even within the native people mm. at the time. He was a rogue. De- <laughs> yeah, definitely. And he was like born in obviously a very tumultuous time, right? Like yeah. he got not only like he sees the, you know, like fall of the empire. Uh, sure. But also like he was kind of happy about it because the, one of the reasons that the Spanish conquest was like so fierce and swift in like, the Aztec-dominated area, is that yeah. most of the native groups that they ruled over, like, hated them. Yeah. Um, and they, like, helped. He hated would, uh, the Aztecs. The barbarians. Yeah, hated, hated the, the Aztecs. Aztecs. Yeah. Gotcha. They were not fans. They were like, oh, thank God, like, somebody's here to, like, you know, conquer them and show them their place. Well, yeah, it, like, yeah. ended up not working out so well, Oops. but... Fuck you know. these guys. We'll help you do whatever you want to do. Yeah, so at the time, though, it seemed like a good idea, Yeah, he right? must have been born just a decade or two after Columbus. Yeah, he was actually born in 1474. So he, he was born, um, like, two decades before pre-Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, by the time... Wow, talk about straddling an oh, yeah. impressive era. Yeah, no kidding. No kidding. And so, like, when uh, so when the Spaniards, like, came to conquer the area, which is, like, 1520, yeah. 1519, I think, um, he is, like, gets to know the priests really well. He, like, gets along with them. He's like, all right, well, you know, the Aztec priests were, like, very demanding, you mm-hmm. know, with the human sacrifice yeah. and all that. So they, they, yeah. he was, yeah. like, not a fan. And so he, he was glad. And so he and his wife, uh, they were both farmers. They, and they lived, like, outside Mexico City in, like, a very kind of chill area. Um, and they converted. They were, like, huge fans. Um, his yeah. uncle also converted. I mean, why wouldn't you be a huge fan after, right. like, all the human sacrifice? Like, <laughs> also, I think this seems pretty peaceful, I think, I guess. also, the first time a newcomer to Catholicism was like, this seems pretty chill. <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, like everyone else is like, please, dear God, get them out of here. <laughs> like, in comparison, this, this religion actually seems chill. Like, amazing. And so, unfortunately... Unfortunately, um, his wife dies young. Uh, She got sick. Um, And so he is like a widower for most of his Mm. adult life, and he goes to live with his uncle. They're both Catholic and both farmers, and um, they're, you know, very devout. So... December 9th, 1531. I I love when we actually know the date of things. Amazing. Amazing. It's great, because this this was written down um, in a... Actually, by an indigenous chronicler, um, shortly after the story takes place. Um, I sit up straighter. Amazing. Valeriano. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, like, uh, written down in Nahuatl, which is, like, the native language of the Aztec. Um, Amazing. Like, so area. no mediation yeah, yeah. here. Just, like, much... primary source mm-hmm. AF. Mm-hmm. So good, so good. I mean, obviously, like, you know, it was an oral language, but, like, it was written down, like, after, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, all good. Um, and so on December 9th, 1531, Juan Diego gets up early to go to Mass. Because, and uh, that was a Saturday. Amazing. Uh, good job, we know that. A plus. Uh, None so of good. us can do that, but <laughs> so good. Right. And, you. like, Saturday morning Masses are dedicated to Mary, the Mother of God, mm-hmm. um, which is mostly important because, you know, he made a habit of going to these, like, Mary Masses. Mm-hmm. So he was a fan of the Mother of God. Um, well, who wouldn't be? Who wouldn't be? Like, she's very approachable. Takes me into the world, yeah. et cetera. Exactly. Have mercy on us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're all... Julian, I know about five hymns, and we're going to reference all of them. <laughs> sounds good, sounds good. Like, more the merrier. Um, and so on more his way... More the merrier. Everyone drink. Right? On his way to Mass that day, he has to pass by Tepeyac Hill, which is right outside Mexico City. Um, and so in order to go to church, which is in the city, 
he has to pass by it. Um, and this is like the main, like important location mm. in the area mm-hmm. for reasons that we will discuss. It's a later. pyramid or a city. It's a hill. Oh, okay. Um, so he lives outside the city uh, in kind of a suburb area, you yeah. know, with the nomads and the farmers and such. Mm. But you have to pass by the hill in order to go into the city. And so he passes by this hill, and all of a sudden he hears song. Hmm. Sounds like birds. He's not quite sure, but it's beautiful. And then all of a sudden it stops, and he looks up to the top of the hill, and it's like this bright white cloud. Yes. And all of a sudden, a woman's voice calls his name. Hello. Juan Diego. Now, keep in mind, he's like a 57-year-old widower, so he runs to the top of the hill. Oh, he's yeah. Like, he's oh, like, yeah. a woman is calling. Ladies! <laughs> Wait like, for me! I don't know who you are, and but I'm there for you. <laughs> I'm excited. He is ready. <laughs> and he sees a beautiful young woman surrounded by, you know, clouds and clothed in the sun, like, shining, Ooh. just beautiful. Um, and he's super excited, like, she's shining super bright, you know, it dims so that he can, you know, see her and have a conversation. Yeah, yeah, It calibrates. Um, it's very polite. Very polite. It calibrates. Um, you know, she's wearing, like, a normal outfit. Well, normal for the period or normal for, like, Mary? Normal, normal actually for, uh, for natives, which we will oh, we'll okay. talk about. Interesting. Oh. That's actually relevant. So, she tells him who he, who she is. She's the Virgin Mary, the mother of God, um, yeah. and she actually uses the word, like, I am your compassionate mother. She emphasizes mm-hmm. this many times. And she says to him, I have a message for you. I want you to build a church in my honor on Tepeyac Hill. Hmm. Um, not necessarily you, you know. I, I want you to go tell you the guys. bishop. Yeah. Um, but it's really important to me that I have a place to hear the sufferings of the people and comfort them. Great. That's what she says. Gorgeous. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. It's so beautiful. So uh, nice. Yeah, and so she says, okay, the best thing to do would be go to the go back into the city as you were planning to, and mm-hmm. after mass, go talk to the bishop. Uh, he will get this done. I love that she's instructing him on, like, the social engineering, like, political exactly. aspect. Like, not exactly. just, like, okay, do this. Like, okay, so you talk to this guy. He's going to get you through planning. Then you got to get the architect. Right, exactly. Yeah. She probably has plans. Once you, you know. have all your permits, you can <laughs> yeah. start going. It's like, it's like when you're planning a vacation with friends and you're like, we should go to New Orleans. And then someone's like, okay, no, but which weekend works for you? <laughs> like, she's <laughs> taking it one step better. Yeah, she, she is, okay, so I'm booking the hotel. Yes. <laughs> so he goes straight to the bishop. Uh, the bishop is is Juan de Sumaraga, and he is struggling. Uh, People have been not enjoying the Spanish rule over the area, shall we say. Uh, He's definitely got a, he's got a tough sell. Let's let's face it. Um, And like a well-earned, difficult PR problem. Yeah. And so he has a lot going on. He doesn't really have time to entertain the crazy stories of this like man who says he has seen Mary and has a church. And he's a Spanish bishop or a native bishop? Spanish bishop. Mm. Um, He's from Castile. And so he's like, Go home. See you at mass next week. Like, I'm not, I'm not rest. doing this. Sleep it off, buddy. <laughs> Use some sunstroke. Yeah. Uh, and he, he's like, all right, somebody's drunk again. Like, what's going on? Um, <laughs> Please don't come to mass drunk. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is a little inappropriate. It's Saturday morning. Uh, and so as he walks home, he passes by Tepec Hill again. He sees the woman appear again. And he tells her, look, I did my best, but, like, I'm just a poor Indian guy. Like, this is all I have. Right, yeah. This is all I am. You did I not pick the right person. the Spanish bishop. Yeah. Right. He's like, you should really pick someone else. Like, I appreciate, you know, mm-hmm. that you asked me, but I'm just not going to He doesn't want to fail her. Right. Yeah. And uh, he feels kind of bad about it, but he's also like, eh, I mean, you did pick a peasant here. Yeah. Um, and she goes, yo, there are plenty of guys I could have picked. There are lots of nobles around. Uh, I picked you for a reason. Uh, and she goes, look, go to the bishop tomorrow and tell him exactly who is sending you, which I love. She's like... Make sure he knows it's, like, the Virgin Mary, Mother of God, who is asking you to do this. <laughs> like, just, just to clarify, I'm not just any Mary. This is not any apparition. 
This is not right. some like right. you know God I've never heard of before. This is it's not like the Saint Virgin George Mary. or something. <laughs> yeah, and I, this is actually something that she does a lot, like in her apparition stories. Yeah. Um, like when she appeared to uh, a young woman who was also kind of a lower class uh, woman, uh, Bernadette Subiru in Lourdes, France. Um, she explicitly said like tell him I am the Immaculate Conception, which, like, at the time... Do you know who I am? <laughs> like, which at the time was something that was, like, a very theological statement. Like, yeah. it wasn't on the tip of every Catholic's tongue. It oh, still sure. Isn't, you know? Oh, so, yeah, like, yeah, so a clergyman is like, oh, shit. Like, oh, yes. Immaculate Conception. This peasant yes, wouldn't just know that. Right. And so I think she, you know, Our Lady of Guadalupe is trying to accomplish the same thing here, right? Like, yeah. make sure he knows. It's Mary. This is not just some rando <laughs> goddess, all right? Um, and so... The next day, you know, Juan Diego goes back to the bishop's house after mass and is like, listen, I swear, like, it's Mary. Please it is just- Sunday. <laughs> I am not fucking with you. <laughs> yes. It is a not literal <laughs> Virgin Mary. <laughs> exactly. And the bishop goes, okay, listen, give me a sign and then we'll talk. Okay. So, you know, Juan Diego tells Mary this, listen, you know, he needs a sign. She goes, okay, come back tomorrow uh, for the sign. You will find it, and we will get this done. All right. Also, like, this priest is totally, like, disbelieving. What the fuck's up with that? Right, you would like, think. you should be like, oh, yeah, miracle. And awesome. you would also think he'd be a little bit excited that, like, hey, yeah. someone's enthusiastic about the hey, faith. Hey, shepherd of your flock, someone's right? appeared in rural, you know, out ring of Mexico City. Go run to it. That's what I'm saying. If someone tells me Mary, the mother of God, is in the house, you're I'm You're out of here. Yes, I'm there. you're there. I'm there. I want to see that. So... You know, he's supposed to come back the next day, but his uncle, Juan Bernardino, gets sick. So he's taking care of his uncle. He's taking care of his uncle. He's like, oh no, this is, this is not good. You know, I really got to focus. I got to be here for my uncle. Uh, You know, he's taking care of me. Mary will understand that shit. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. family. So he, you know, all day Monday, he's like taking care of, uh, and then the next day he's like, man, you know, I'm really worried. Like he's going to die. I need to go get a priest for last Mm. rite. So he has to like walk into the city to get the priest. But you got to go past the hill. But you got to go past the hill. So he's feeling awkward. And so he, this is my favorite thing. He tries to get around the hill. Oh, buddy. (laughs) He tries to get around the hill. That's like my favorite part of the entire story. God doesn't see all. Right, right, right. That's that's totally like a, like, don't want to run into the booty call that I had last weekend. (laughs) I was thinking more like, don't want to run into your crush in between like algebra and chemistry. But the whole thing just couldn't be more awkward. He's like trying so hard. He's like, I don't want to disappoint her. And and honestly, like, he's he's torn between two duties. Like, it's not as if he's like absconding off with some village hussy or he's like you know prioritizing sloth and like playing some board game I, in the I, I also completely imagined him just like playing with a sloth. He said that, <laughs> like, yeah, he's just hanging out in the forest. I like, mean, he can't like sloth. Netflix and and laze around like I would in this metaphor, but uh, doing something. No, yeah, he's like a hardworking dude. You know, he's never disappointed anyone in his life, and all of a sudden Aww. he's like stood up the mother of God, right? So naturally, on his detour, she appears to him and is like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> You're what do you think was gonna happen? Really, Mom? really, <laughs> really? Are you you're worse than my son. <laughs> I mean, my conception. <laughs> and so he says, "Well, you know, I had this thing with my uncle, and she's like, of course you can tell me that. That's fine. Don't worry. He's not gonna die. I'll make sure of that." And later, by the way, he finds out that at this moment, his ma- his uncle was miraculously cured. Hashtag literal mother of God. <laughs> exactly. Like the mom is taken care. And so she says, "All right, now that that's taken care of, um, please go up the hill and look for the sign I told you was gonna be there." Great. He goes up please the hill. And thank you. <laughs> He runs up the hill he's again. So he's, cool. he's, yes. a, he's a big runner. He's even like, at great. 57. He's super Aww. excited. Uh, he runs up the hill. 
and there are tons of blooming flowers there. This is December. Wow. So that's weird. So he picks all the flowers. And there's another weird thing about them, but he doesn't know this. But the flowers, he doesn't recognize them, but they're actually Castilian roses. (gasps) Oh, no shit! From where the bishop is from From in Spain. Yes. Yes. Amazing. he gathers Good job, them up. Mary. A plus work. A plus work. Like, so smooth, right? So specific. Exactly. Uh. And, and not weird enough that anyone in town is going to be like, what you carrying in your, you know, yeah. Tilma there? Which, Tilma's like the cloak that, you know, he was he would sure. wear. It was like made out of natural fibers. Um, so he's, you know, carrying the flowers down. She says, okay, this will do. You know, go to the bishop, see what's up. Um, so he runs to the bishop. But at this point, Someone's like, running. the bishop's servants are tired of his shit at this point. They're like, sure. we're not giving you the time of day. Like, right. you can wait. The so Juan he, who cried wolf. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and so, like, he, he is sent to the waiting room to, like, chill out for a while. Oh, no. Um, In the anteroom purgatory. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, at some point, it's been a couple of hours. The servants are like, all right, he's been weirdly patient for, like, this guy who we think is kind of crazy, you know, is right. running around, like, frantic. It's almost like he's filled with divine certainty. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's, well, he's holding his tilma all weird. You know, I want to see what's in there. So yeah, like, yeah. All right, all right, Bishop. Like, you know, you're you're also like how much here. excitement happens in this small parish. Like, That's why I, isn't everyone just excited? I mean, to be fair, it is the cathedral, but like at this point, they don't oh, have that yeah, many Catholics, okay. so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so also I didn't know bishops had like assistants. Oh like, yeah, whole staff, oh, yeah. whole staff, whole staff, baby, whole flock. Like oh, executive yeah. assistants, just kind of like running around with clipboards. Oh, definitely. Well, yes. and to be fair, it is also like you know the capital. Yeah, so, okay, so, so this is a big deal. Uh, yeah. Some some of the smaller bishops, maybe they got like a priest or two, you know, you know, whatever. A trainee, exactly, an intern. Um, but he he's got quite the squad. So they tell him the bishop's like, geez, if you told me Juan Diego was here, I would have let him in. What's your problem? Anyway, huh. so he actually because he really does want but, the like, sign. Bishop send him home. Time. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, come on, bishop, please. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so they let him in, and Juan Diego scurries in, and he's so excited, he doesn't even say anything. He just opens his cloak and, like, lets the roses fall to the floor. Miraculously, yeah. And the bishop sees them, and, like, tears come in his eyes. Yeah. He kneels down to smell in, the roses. he's in the new world. How long since he saw and smelled these roses? Exactly, and, like, the fresh with dew, and it's December, oh. and the whole thing is insane, and he just can't believe it. Amazing. And then all of a sudden, he looks up, and the cloak is imprinted with an image of what is now Our Lady of Guadalupe. Yes. Yes. And so, and this image is so, so amazing. And this is why, like, she is so famous now is because, so she's clearly Mestiza, which is, like, mixed race. Yeah. So she's clearly, like, has both European and native features. She's definitely darker skinned. Into it. And she's wearing, like, a floral pink tunic, kind of, um, with, like, a mantle that looks like the sky. It's, like, Mm. star-studded. A small black sash. And she's surrounded by rays of light that actually kind of look like a maguey plant. So, like, that's... Mm. Where you, it's a, it's like the, it's the agave plant. Um, oh, and you get cool. uh, pulque from it. And that's like the sacred beverage that they would use like ceremonially. Nice. So now it's funny because they, they, it's pulque is usually what you call it, but it also has the nickname of the milk of the virgin now because it's like associated with this. Slightly uh, awkward, but I get it. Exactly. Like, <laughs> no, and it's the, that perfect kind of, this is sort of awkward, but also reverent. Like yeah, this just yeah. perfect, like in between place that this that, entire that story That awkward lives. Catholic place where we exactly, all live. Exactly. It's like the most <laughs> Catholic thing ever. Like really? It's kind of sensual, but oh. okay. Uh, and she is standing. Standing on a crescent moon, supported by an angel, um, she's like holding her hands in prayer, looking down, like it's very, a very specific yeah. image. It is very elaborate, and I will explain to you like why that is because mm-hmm. a lot of these elements are stuff that like a bishop looks at this and immediately sees Mary mm-hmm. um, because there's lots of biblical references, right? So like you know, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon and the yeah. stars like comes yeah. to Revelation, mm-hmm. you know, with the angel obviously it's like very yeah, Catholic, the herald. but almost everything else about it is like super super native. Um, so cool. Which, like, we, we will get to. But just to, like, let you know what happens, you know, the bishop says, wow, okay, Mary, I get it. Sorry I doubted you. <laughs> and he goes We're and good builds, to go. Yeah. <laughs> they build the church on Tepeyac Hill, you know, just yeah. as asked. 
Um, the tilma with Mary's image on it is displayed mm-hmm. for everyone there to see. It's still there, you know, 500 years later. Um, wow. Which, by the way... We're like, going to have to Google the image later, because I'm super fascinated yeah. Oh, this. totally. Oh, totally. And, like, here's the... Th- I mean, you know, everyone and their mother has done, like, scientific tests on it, and I'm sure there are, like, you know, this stories. But uh, <laughs> there, like there are stories, but, like, ultimately, you know, it's a natural fiber thing that's been there for 500 years, so the Catholics were all like, yo, we only put bulletproof glass on this, like, 20 years ago. It's clearly <laughs> a miracle. I am among this number. I'm like, yo, this is amazing. And, you know, Juan Diego, by the way... Go, tries to go back and like just be this little farmer that he came from. No, no, no. no. Ah, Pilgrims so bother him all the time. They're like so knocking bad. down his door, getting him to pray for them. Aww. It's adorable, but you know he you know lives and dies a quiet, peaceful, beautiful life of like prayer. Good for him. And he did not even become a saint until 2002, which is oh he's a saint now. Good, good. yeah. Good. So he's a saint. He was the first Native American saint in Catholic history. Yay! Actually, um, did he have to be? He didn't have to be martyred though. No, okay. thank God. Good, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So he, he did not die for the faith. Okay, uh, he lived and died for the faith, but, okay. like, he wasn't, you know, killed yeah. for it, uh, which is beautiful. And meanwhile, you know, unprecedented numbers of natives are converting. Yeah. And we're like, well, no okay, shit. so so what is this about? By the way, so, like, Our Lady of Guadalupe and Juan Diego both have feast days now, one of, like, the day that she first appeared to him and the other, the day that, you know, the bishop finally agreed, and they're, like, nice. three days apart from each other in December. Aww. And so every year, especially in the United States, because it's nice, a nice huge nice feast here. pre-Christmas fasting. Exactly. Like, you in the middle of Advent, where you're preparing for Christmas, and it's all very somber, you get this, like, beautiful, just, Aww. like, America Catholicism celebration. Yes. It's great. Disclaimer, like, there are a million interpretations of Aztec, like, mythology mm-hmm. and this image, but this is the one that makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. Bring um, it. So the first thing you need to know is that Tepeyac Hill, where all of this this separation took place, uh, was originally the site of a pre-Columbian temple to the goddess Donatine. Yes. What was she all about? Yeah, so she uh, is kind of complicated in that she's not, like, the word Donatine, like, implies a person, but she's more of a personification of, like, the idea of female divinity. Sure. Because it's like an honorific title, meaning Mm -hmm. our mother. So in the sense that someone goes to pray to Tonantzin, what they, it's either they're saying, like, they're using it as a nickname for one of their favorite goddesses mm-hmm. that they're going to go pray right. to, or, in a sense, they're praying to, like, all mother goddesses. It's, like, this primordial kind so of... So into it. Yeah, like, Mother Earth idea. Right, yes. Um, mother, and, help me, yeah, whether it's yeah. specific or general. Mama. Exactly. She's, like, a personified, like, umbrella deity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Or more, like, godness. Um, and so, because of that, uh, you know, people... When, you know, Mary, uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe there, people started calling her Tonantzin Guadalupe, because that's just what you call it. Amazing. Like, Tonantzin yeah. is the thing you call a, a female yeah. goddess. Like, yeah. naturally, Native Christians, this made total sense to them. It wasn't a problem. The Europeans are like, she's not a goddess. She's just a human. Calm down. Uh. Uh, so they get in fights about this, which is, like, another reason why, you know, this is very much like a Native story, because mm. the European priests were actually kind of pissed about this. They're not into it <laughs> They're not into it. much better. Um, but at some point, like, it's so popular that they just kind of can't say, like, stop. Yes, <laughs> right, we're not going to say no to, like, our fastest growing and also largest no, thing exactly. of, the, of the faith. Exactly, and so, you know, when Mary tells Juan Diego, like, please build the church at this hill, you know, the natives are hearing that and thinking, oh, Tonantzin wants us to rebuild the temple. The uh, Spanish are hearing, oh, yeah, we want to conquer that temple area. So uh, it totally works for everybody. It's like a total win-win and lose-lose. Amazing, uh, <laughs> yeah. amazing. Depends on who you ask. Right, exactly. And so... This particular temple on Tepeyac um, was most likely in honor of the goddess uh, Coatlicue. So, you know, Tonantzin Coatlicue. Um, 
but her name means serpent skirt. Yes. <gasps> yes, 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 yes. And so, like Mary, she is mostly revered because of the importance of her children. Uh, and like Mary, she had a very untraditional experience of pregnancy. So, instead Amazing. of Holy Spirit... I, I need to know everything about this right now. Instead of Holy Spirit, Kualikwe <laughs> was impregnated by a uh, ball of feathers that fell on her while she was sweeping a temple. Fantastic! Oh my god. So good! Also, There's if you a- think about, like, dust mites and, like, infection. Oh, no. It makes a Don't certain amount there. of sense. Biologically Don't is all I'm there. saying. All I'm saying. Pollination, like, there's, there's certain natural parallels. Sure, and I respect that. But there, And there is, like, a disproportionate amount of focus on sweeping temples, like, in Aztec mythology, which is great. Because, like, it just goes to prove, that like, the whole dusty. thesis. Which is, like... Native Americans have actual hygiene standards and the Spanish totally don't. So when they hear all these stories, they're like, what the hell are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, what do you so, mean you don't have a temple sweeper? Exactly. Come on, people. Exactly. Like, I can't even it's imagine like, how dirty the church is. Like, uh, <laughs> That's like not having someone to tend for the fire, like in Greek mythology. Like, right. someone's got to be watching this yeah. shit. Yeah. And so, like, so she's magically impregnated, but she's married. And not only is she married uh, to the god Cloud Serpent, uh, Mixcoatl, sure. but she has 400 kids. Wow. Uh, As one does. After, like, from the feather or previously? Oh, no, no, previously. Like, she has an existing marriage and 400 children when all of a sudden she's, like, magically impregnated. So it kind of makes this pregnancy seem a little unimportant. Except for the the reason, (laughs) I mean, except for the way that it happened. Except for the way that it happened and also her kids are like, well, you've been unfaithful to our father. Right. So Quayle Shalki, who is uh, her most important daughter... Uh, rallies her 399 siblings and they attack their mother. Why? Uh, because they're they're pissed at her and for also, like, like violating all them. all logic would tell you that like that's a logic conclusion. Yeah. You know the you ball don't of feathers. No one goes hmm, ball of feathers. That makes sense, mom. You sleep in the temple, mom. That was it. <laughs> right. And so in the attack, the preferred method of execution was decapitation. So prepare yourself. This is a violent story. Welcome to the Aztecs. Welcome to, yeah, welcome to Aztec Also, life. I mean, quite efficient. You can't blame them. It's efficient, exactly. And so at the exact moment that they decapitate Kualikwe, her son emerges from the womb, fully grown and ready for battle. Athena style. Athena oh, style. like the little man baby Jesuses that we see in the Renaissance <laughs> painting. Exactly like other we don't know how to draw real babies. Which is like, oh, it's a small man. Yes, that makes <laughs> sense. And so this son of hers is Huitzilopochtli, and he is the god of sun and war. Uh, he is actually, like, the sun, but he's wow. the god that of war. That sounds very awesome important. Combo. He is extremely important. And so he gets right into it. Uh, he starts by cutting off the rebel daughter leader, uh, Quail Oh Shockey my god, just right there? Right there. Like, <gasps> where does he get a thing from? Who cares? Who cares? Maybe Adam. he rips it off. Let's not talk about it. Oh, so, yeah, probably. You yeah. Know. yeah. Um, so he, he gets rid of her head and throws it into the sky where it becomes the moon. Yes. yes! A plus could work. Mm-hmm. And then he does the same to many of his brothers and sisters who become the stars. Amazing. Uh, and naturally he is the sun. So this is like an incredibly bloody scene, obviously, you know, it's death, but it's also soup, it's life. Um, also you know, like cool dualism where it's like he's the sun and his siblings don't come out because they're scared of him until it's nighttime. Yes! yes. I didn't even think of that. That's so good. That right. is awesome. And so like, you know, all of this death is like resulting in all of this creation. And so really like Kualikwe, whose death, you know, precipitates this, is like personification of basically how all of Aztec cosmology works. Um, yeah, it's super, sure. super dualistic and crazy. I first learned about Kualikwe when I was in the National Anthropology Museum in Mexico and I saw her statue. And, like, keep in mind throughout the following that I was 12 years old when I saw this. I'm literally still having nightmares about it. Oh, awesome. No. So, Very impressionable age. Yeah. I'm sorry slash awesome. Gonna have to right. look that, a picture of that up, too. Oh, absolutely. Look at the show notes, people. <laughs> this is very important. To go up, bottom up for maximum effect, uh, her feet have claws. 
in order to plow the earth, make, yeah. you know, humanity have food. Oh, uh, like good. bird claws or like lizard claws? Uh, what are, what like the bird claws? Well, bird claws are more like separated and then lizard uh, claws are like... You're boring me. Are like hands with like Let's continue fingers. to the awesome story. <laughs> um, Sorry. Her feet, <laughs> yes. her feet also have eagle eyes that look toward infinity. Um, so her bird. legs have feathers. Bird. Her skirt is made of poisonous rattlesnakes, which are actually yes. like fertility symbols. I want so to cool. wear that. Uh, and it's topped with a belt that uses a human's skull for a buckle. <gasps> okay. Just below her breast, she is wearing a sash that indicates pregnancy or motherhood. Cool. Um, her torso is exposed, like her breasts are really heavy with milk, but they are covered by a necklace made of human hands and hearts. Yes. Oh. oh. And what's what's the preservation technique there? Good question. There is uh, none. Just rots away. And then she's like, oh, I have to kill another person in order I, to get a new oh, hand. Damn it. It's, it's up for renewal again. Yeah. So she's leaning forward and her arms are kind of haunched up as if she's about to pounce. Uh, her Ooh. Wrists, yeah, so her wrists have been cut off and she's decapitated, but get this, <gasps> that's not just like dismembered. In Aztec iconography, dismemberment and decapitation is indicated by snakes sprouting out. Oh so my she god. Had, so like, met, like, so this chick this has two snakes sprouting out of her neck, like facing <gasps> each other. I love it. Yeah. So I never want to see this image. Well, so this if statue I, was If actually, I die, I want a statue like this made of me. Please and thank you. So the statue is actually so terrifying that when they dug it up... I'm just speechless here. Yeah. So when the European, uh, like, you know, settlers or whatever, like, dug it up in 1790, uh, they actually reburied it. They're like, no one needs to touch it. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Don't need to know. Don't need to know. They were like, bye. I mean, because it was dug up at the same time as a bunch of other stuff, that's the only thing they reburied. They're like, no, 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 that one can stay. Nobody needs to see that. We will take your gold bowls and bring them back to the British Museum, but that one can stay. Yeah, and so naturally, like, they re-dug it up again after Mexican independence, when everyone, like, stopped giving a shit, whatever everyone thought. Like, remember that thing that they, uh, buried? We should get that. Yeah, Mexico's yeah. like in a double fuck you. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm not just like being sadistic here and like, you know, giving you all the dirty details. Oh like, no, that's what we're here it's for. It's actually, well, although, you know, naturally I would do that anyway. Um, but this actually, this image, like even though it seems totally foreign uh, to what I described earlier about Mary is actually, there's a weird amount of parallels. Mm. Um, so first, like, Coatlique was venerated at Tepeyac at that temple, uh, primarily around the winter solstice. Cool. And Which? December, December is when, yeah. you know, the appearance happened. The pregnancy belt, the sash, is also in Our Lady of Guadalupe's image. Her sash? So she, yeah, so she's wearing, like, an Aztec sash that That's indicates so cool. pregnancy. Like, BT dubs, I'm pregnant. Yeah, which is great, because there actually aren't that many images of Mary visibly pregnant in Catholic iconography, no. which is yeah. weird. She's always, yeah. like, she's always, like, getting impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Right. Or like, oh, here's a baby. Or here's my baby. (laughs) Exactly. Like, it's really rare that you actually see her pregnant. It's either, like, when they're doing images of the visitation, when she goes to visit her cousin. Yeah. um, But even then, she's not visibly pregnant. No, she's just just kind of Or even, like, like, if if you see her, like, on the donkey, she's just, like, draped in fabric. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So, like... It's, it's kind of stunning and awesome to me that, like, the first prominent image of her pregnant is actually, yeah. like, is a native image. It's, yeah. like, it's so good. Um, and so, if you remember from the story, like, Coatlique is the mother of the sun, the moon, and the stars. Mm-hmm. And all of those appear in Our Lady of Guadalupe's image. Like, yes, clothed, they do. Yeah, with the sun, the moon, and the stars. And also, in a way, like, and this is, you know, a little bit more, like, abstract, but Mary kind of reinterprets Coatlique, like, theologically, because all of the accessories, you know, with the skulls and the hands and the hearts, <laughs> they all refer to human sacrifice. Which obviously is like a well known and well, like correctly hated uh, practice, which is all about practicing you sacrifice young warriors. 
It's mm-hmm. not just, like, anybody, you know? And especially in, like, all of the images of it, it's always, like, you know, old people or, like, poor people. That's not, like, but what it was. Actually, it, it was, like, young crop. warriors. Yeah. Um, it was, like, an honor. And, like, on the one hand, this is kind of a political decision because, you know, a really good way to keep control of your empire is make sure there are no good potential revolutionaries. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, the cosmological reason is that the gods were, like, sacrificed in creation mm-hmm. uh, to make human life possible. You know, Kuala was sacrificed so that the sun, the moon, and the stars could exist. Yeah, yeah. So sacrificing a human life is, like, a way of repaying the favor. So obviously it's like terrible but it's also like it makes its own kind of sense almost respectful to humans and elevates them in a way like yeah. you know, now you are also part of the godly creation yeah and it's also like again like this is something that's super foreign to the Spanish Christians who like show mm-hmm. up here but actually Christianity shares kind of that impulse for like atonement Mm-hmm. And Thanksgiving, um, because again, yeah, we're talking about a religion where like Jesus Christ is the Son of God who gives Himself as yeah. a living sacrifice for the salvation. Right, of the world. like the, the fundamental act of Christianity yeah. is, is self sacrifice. It's yeah. self sacrifice, and it's like a weekly thing that you do at church. Yes, like it's not just like a one time event. So this yeah. is also like in the sense that you practice sacrifice all the time mm-hmm. to get in with God. It's like that. Also, so unlike the Greeks, who are like, not only are we going to create you, it's gonna take nothing from us and we're going to continue to use you as our playthings and mess with your lives and marry you guys and impregnate you and then run away. That'd be the Greeks. Koalikwe, who like thrives off human sacrifice, uh, turning into Mary, who gives her son as the one human sacrifice that actually works and yeah. is sufficient and good. Fuck yeah. That's is true. like inherently understandable and like legible yes. to native Christians in a way that like Spanish Christians are just not going to get. Yeah. And so they, they hate it. Um, and that's actually one of the reasons why we know this story is because one of the first written references to it is people going to, you know, pray to our lady of Guadalupe and calling her Tonantzin. Mm-hmm. And there's this famous, um, ethnographer and historian, uh, Fray Bernardino de Sahagún, who is a Franciscan priest. Mm-hmm. And he writes about this and he says, no, no, look at these <laughs> idiots. This is such a bad idea. Actually, hey, joke's on you. You're preserving the native folklore. Yeah. And he doesn't even say this is a bad idea. He actually says this is satanic. Like that's one oh, of the only reasons yeah. we even know this story is because he literally says it's satanic. Now, naturally later, about like five years later, this is the same guy who is going to literally have his signature on the only written record of the story saying this is so great. I love how much this is Canadian. Oh my god. Oh, uh, wait, you mean what? this is bringing untold thousands of people to the church? A plus, A plus, A plus, Right, right, right. So he's, like, totally ridiculous. And so he, like, tries, he, like, even tries, he, like, learns, he knows the language, he speaks Nahuatl. And so, Tonantzin means our mother. Yeah. But if you, you know, try to twist that, he says, no, 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 Dios Inantzin, meaning, like, mother uh, of God. So he really tries to get that, but it's just, like, it's never gonna work. And so, you know, naturally, like, the stories say seven or eight million people convert, like, who the hell actually knows? But even if the priest wanted to shut it down, it's just not going to happen. And that's also, like, honestly, that's the way most Catholic stories end, is, like, the you, there's one thing the Catholic hierarchy, like, is just not good at shutting down, and it's, like, crowds of pious grandmas. Yes. You cannot, you cannot <laughs> shut down crowds of pious grandmas. Like, it's just not going to happen. The grandmas just, they stick to it, man. They totally do. Yeah. And so... And they bring all of their relatives along with them. No, totally. Totally. No one can eat without them. Yeah. If grandmas yeah. go on a strike or a march, they are going to be well-provisioned and ready to just stand for a long time <laughs> and tell you what you want to know. So this is, like, where the other parallel comes in, by the way. The other parallel is these serpents, and this is also where I'm finally going to tell you why she's called Our Lady of Guadalupe. Because it's yes. weird. Like, she doesn't appear at Guadalupe. She appears right. at Tepeyac. What the hell? Yeah. Um, so there are two major theories behind that name. Um, both are probably true, honestly. Mm. One is the, like, kind of the Spanish-focused theory. Um, so as you can imagine, Spanish priests were not used to seeing Mary with dark skin. They probably weren't. (laughs) They were probably surprised. But there was one dark-skinned Mary that they were very familiar with. 
which was Our Lady of Guadalupe back in Spain. The Guadalupe River is in Extremadura, which is in the middle of Spain, where the uh, bishop in this case is from. And that monastery uh, has a statue of Mary who's very dark-skinned. Hmm. Um, there are a, a, a few um, European Marys who are like famously known as like the Black Madonnas because mm. they're one of the few dark-skinned like, depictions of Mary. So that monastery of Our Lady of Guadalupe um, in Spain is like, it's literally where Hernan Cortes was from. Mm. It's where like a lot of the conquistadors came from there. And that's where like Fernanda and Isabella signed like Columbus's commission. Yeah, it's so where sort of like social and political clout. You know, sort exactly. of like legitimize the Black uh, Madonna. Not only that, but it was like very explicitly connected with like the American conquest. Yeah. It was like this is where we have prayed for. You know, we have prayed to Mary for the Americas here, and sure. now. The first Mary we see in the Americas is dark-skinned and must All be right. Mary, so they Makes call it that. But the Nahuatl-focused theory, uh, which is like the native-focused theory, and this is like the parallel to Coatlicue comes in here. So Guadalupe is basically like a Spanishized version of the Nahuatl word uh, Guadalupe, uh, and that means she who crushes the serpent. <gasps> Fantastic. <gasps> so good. So much better. The so much better. So much better. Like, also better. checks out. Like also anyone checks out. would hear the parallels between exactly. Those two. So like not only is it crushing like Coatlicue, where's the serpents, whatever, but the m- most important Aztec god like in everyday life is the god of the Aztec priesthood who is Quetzalcoatl who is literally a serpent like it just it makes so much sense he's the flying serpent one is that the The feathered serpent yes there are, there are quite a few serpents yeah. going on. Uh, as, as we'll you have to guessed. come back for a special on serpents Absolutely. of the Americas. Absolutely. Serpents of the Americas are, like, fierce. But, it's, you know, it's also a biblical reference, because, like, obviously the devil yes. is, like, symbolized by a serpent the in dragon. Genesis. And not only that, but, like, literally in Genesis, you know, God says to the, the devil's serpent, like, I will put enmity between you and the woman. And so, mm. literally, it, like, it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense. And, like, mm. yeah, as you said, you know, the thing with the Revelation, it's just, like, it's so biblical, this whole And, thing. like, so much more badass and also useful than a Medusa-style snakes as hair. Mm-hmm. Who right. wants snakes as hair? Nobody. No Who wants, like, a snake utility belt skirt? Everybody. <laughs> and so, like, my favorite thing about this particular, like, etymology, too, is that it was actually uh, most popularized, like, I wouldn't say invented, because uh, it's been around for a while, but, like, most popularized by uh, Gloria Alessandua, who is, like, a 20th century writer, uh, feminist, Chicana writer, who basically, like, wrote a whole history of this story as, like, reinterpreting Mexican history from the indigenous perspective, because that was a huge thing, and that's, like, yes. one of the reasons why, like, the story Intersectional is so popular. indigenous lens. Yeah, and that's also, like, why, like, one of the reasons why this story is so popular is because, like, literally no matter what angle of Mexican history you look at it from, it's super important. Yes. And it's super, like... Right, no matter what your uh, allegiance, women are important and Mexico is important. Yeah, exactly. And, like, just before we finish, like, I want to mention, like, my fave thing about the story, which is that, like, I mean, the way Mary and Juan Diego talk to each other, like, as I mentioned before, is really beautiful. He actually starts out, because, like, he's a 57-year-old, and Mary of Nazareth is a teen mom, Yeah. so he actually starts out. <laughs> I, I always forget that she's a teen mom. Yeah, she's a teen mom. And I kind of picture, like, MTV, like, right. children making no, totally. bad decisions. No, totally. And so, like... He starts out by calling her my youngest child, my daughter. And immediately Aww. she turns it around saying, no, 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 my youngest child, my son. Like, I, I am the mother. Right? Like, it's really beautiful. And it's also... Also, like, no, no. Like, adorable. <laughs> no, no, child. Adorable. And he, you know, he is also using the name for her, which is Aztec, which is Tonantzin, like, yeah. the goddess name. And she is using his birth name, not his uh, baptismal name. Mm-hmm. Like, she uses his name. They're on a level. Exactly. But, get this. His birth name, Gualatosin, means the eagle who speaks. And Ooh. the eagle is one of the main symbols of the Mexican people. It's, mm-hmm. like, literally in the coat of arms of Mexico, which yeah. is, you know, like, the founding legend yeah. of the city is, like, you know, waiting for this particular mm-hmm. eagle. Prepare yourselves. The eagle is a representation of Huitzilopochtli, who was, like, the son 
of Kualikwe, <gasps> like the original, like yes. the one who was the son, the son and the god of war, who I was can't. like the uniquely victorious, like the one who defeated That's his mother. symbolic resonance, so though. Exactly. And so like when Mary calls Guadalajara and her son, she's literally like the mother so many calling him. the yeah. eagle her son. It's like the exact uh, same story. Like on a linguistic oh, level, it so works like good. so perfectly. It's and like so, all like, the pieces coming together. No, exactly. So nice. And it's also like peak, like things that are both, which is my favorite, yes. <laughs> uh, like hashtag for my life philosophy. Yes, um, yes. Which is that like everyone who interprets the story comes at it with like a political agenda of, okay, like this is going to be the native, like Victoria, like victorious story, or this is going to be like the Spanish propaganda story. Right. This is it's the totally both. It's, yeah. totally both. it's absolutely yeah. both. It's all of the above. It's everything. And it's just like the most perfect, like beautiful summary of everything it's trying to be. Like it's so, so good. good. It's so good. It's so good. God bless. Oh, man. God bless. Caca. Caca. <laughs> no hisses. Oh. Just good cause. Uh, yeah, his don't That's go well on, on the mic. Oh my gosh, I love that so much. So I, I can't even think of what to add. Because it's just really so nothing. perfect. It's such a perfect little jewel box. And like, you know, like, usually when we do myths, there's like something that like falls apart. Like it gets lost in translation or something. Right. That was just fucking perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> and I need to go visit Mexico City to see yes, this um, cloak. This yes. image. Yeah. It's really, really beautiful. And it's also... Um, you know, you don't even know, need to go all the way to Mexico City because everybody and their brothers got a tattoo of it. So you can <laughs> oh check it gosh. out anywhere. I cannot wait in the next week walking around New York City in the summertime to see uh, a tattoo of this in the wild. I'm sure absolutely, I will. Absolutely. Absolutely you will. Oh I, my God. I mean, today. it sounds so badass. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. BRB going to Google images right now. All right, yeah, check the show notes. We'll have it there. Well, Catherine, thank you so very much for sharing this with us. You're very welcome. I'm sure we'll hear from you again with more myths from the indigenous Americas, from Catholic land worldwide, from the Spanish-speaking universe. Would love to. You're welcome back anytime. Thanks, love. That statue was kind of creepy. Kind of cool. Spirits was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast. On our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.